Welcome to The Swolistic Show. I'm your host, Jesse Lockhart, a realtor turned holistic fitness coach and personal trainer. I transformed my mind, my body, and my business in two years by combining holistic-based practices with strength training. And now I'm here to help you do the same thing. Get ready to hear inspirational stories and actionable advice to start living your own swolistic life. Now let's dive into today's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Swolistic Show. I am super excited to be bringing you another guest interview today. On the podcast today, we have Becky Oste. She is a trauma-informed life and marriage coach. So, Becky, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jesse. Of course. I am just so happy that we connected through the Sales Queen Collective. I am just so happy that we have connected. And from that first call that we had together on the phone, you know, I knew that there was a lot of common ground here. So I am super excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much. And same, I felt an immediate vibe. So thanks for having me. Of course. So Becky, why don't you go ahead and just paint us a picture of your story and how you got here today? Yeah, I've been married for, it'll be 11 years, January 21st. So at the time of this recording, it's like a couple of weeks away will be my 11th anniversary. And we had this long term dance of like codependency and addiction for our dynamic that really picked up speed and intensity and reached its head year 10 of our marriage. And we both had tried everything that we knew, everything that people suggested we try to heal ourselves and heal our marriage from individual and couples therapy to, I was a big podcast listener, listened to every single one I could get my hands on, inhaled a ridiculous amount of information from books and webinars and graduated from two 12-step recovery groups, like did all the things and we were still spinning our wheels. And we found ourselves year 10 of our marriage separated. We have two little kids and on the verge of divorce. And I was just lost. Like I'll never forget calling my best friend just on the brink of a nervous breakdown and being like, I think Courtney, this is literally where people are before they're admitted to a hospital for help. Cause I just don't feel stable. I don't feel right in my own mind. And that's when I was on Instagram of all places. And I stumbled upon a reel that led me to a page of a woman who's a relationship coach that teaches um, women how to save their marriage through somatic work, which is like a fancy word for body work, for those who don't know. Instead of just focused on the mind or cognitive or talk therapy, it really gets you into your body and teaches you to move your trauma out of your body under the philosophy or premise that our body keeps the score of what we've been through. And I had been through a lot before my marriage, but also a lot inside of my marriage. There was a lot of trauma. And so I was, you know, hoping that this is like my last ditch Hail Mary effort to save my marriage. And if this didn't work, then I felt like at least I would have the peace to um, say I tried literally everything I knew. And so, yeah, fast forward those eight weeks in that program changed the game. 
And my husband and I spent the whole last year healing and repairing and rebuilding trust. And I went on to this point where I was still in the program I was in watching what this coach was doing for other women's lives and transforming their marriages. And I was like, how the heck can I do this for women? I just felt really called to get this out there because I've noticed this gap in mental health and especially in rebuilding relationships and in communication where there's this total lack of focus on our nervous system and on establishing safety in our body. There's a lot of talking happening. And so a lot of spinning our wheels. And I was like, I want to be able to help other women find what for me was the missing piece. And so I now run a marriage and life coaching program, two programs, one for wives who want to restore their marriage after disconnection, whether that be from infidelity or abuse or just becoming roommates over time, you've just lost the disconnection. And I also run a program just for women who want to learn this body piece of what is my body saying to me and how do I become attuned to my body and what are my physical symptoms, you know, teaching me and how do I calm down my nervous system? And so that is what I do now. And I love it. And I geek out about it. (laughs) That's, that's amazing. I mean, if you don't like become a total nerd and obsessed (laughs) and passionate about what it is that you do, then why bother doing it? Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I absolutely love your story and I haven't talked about this on the podcast. It was brought up like just in my social media last year. But at at this time last year, I was in a very similar position in my marriage where my husband and I were separated and I had completely moved out and we had like started paperwork with attorneys, but we were able to, you know, really come back together. And we have spent the last year really trying to dive deeper in our marriage. And so I resonate wholeheartedly with where you were at because I I was in that same spot and most couples do not make it back from separation it's separation and then divorce in most cases so what an incredible thing that you and your husband were able to accomplish together thanks Jesse yeah and I had no idea either that you went through that so even more reason to connect (laughs) (laughs) for sure for sure What do you feel like is the biggest lesson? This is a loaded question, but if you feel like there was one lesson that you have learned in the past year in what you've been doing through your own experience and now in your experience of your clients, what is the biggest lesson that you have learned? A thousand percent just to trust me and like what that looks like, especially me with what I found with the somatic work, the missing piece was just getting really in touch with my body and how safe my body felt in different situations and around different people. And for me with my marriage, for example, because that's what started me with this work. And now I don't just limit it to marriage, right? But 
it's what introduced me. I started practicing like, how does my body feel when I'm with my husband, as opposed to, can I trust the words coming out of his mouth? How do I know if it's true? Because I had just been scarred. There was a lot of, you know, deceit and a lot of second guessing. And so I went from, yeah, a decade of trying everything I could to repair trust. And even though he was doing the work and putting in the effort, I still felt that nagging mistrust. And so learning to trust, like, how do I feel when I'm talking to him? Like, that's going to be my indicator. And I can trust that because my body never lies. If something feels off, whether it's admitted by the other party or not, I don't have to dig. I can just trust, okay, something feels off. And if I don't feel safe, then I don't need to be close right now. And if I do feel safe, then I can enjoy being close, trusting my body and my gut. I had a pretty corroded connection like with my own gut and intuition, just different um, years of even like the faith community I was in. There's a lot of teaching on to like trusting external sources or leaders or, you know, not trusting your feelings, not trusting yourself. So there was a real fear that I had over the last like over my adulthood of really trusting myself. Um, So learning that I can that it's good to trust myself, to trust my gut, to trust my intuition, to trust my body has set me on the course to healing in literally every area of my life. That's, that's an amazing lesson that that's, I'm literally like left speechless by it because it is so true. And I see this a lot you know, just in, in my work on, on the fitness side of things, right? Because obviously fitness is a lot to do with your body and how you're moving it. And we have been looking at the human body in pieces for so long, you know, ever since medicine became a thing, there then became people who were specialized in certain areas, right? You have a podiatrist and OBGYN and you have optometrists and dentists. And we've just like, you know, spliced down the human body into all of these different pieces that we have conditioned ourselves to believe that it is all separate when in reality it's all connected, And so I love what you're doing through the somatic work and really just, yeah, we become so disconnected in our bodies, you know, with everything that's going on and the stress and whatever else that we're dealing with in life. It it is, it is insane how disconnected we become from our bodies. So I love that, that you're doing that. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, you're right. I mean, there's specialists for everything, but I'd never thought about that. It kind of diminishes the whole point of like, we are whole beings, you know, we are holistic. And I mean, I, I really believe physical symptoms are sending messages to like what's going on emotionally. But I think that's such a fascinating point you just brought up of like, yeah, even how there's a podiatrist and an optometrist and like, wait, there's a connection, there's a thread. Um, so that's, yeah, that's just interesting. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit more about like the, the trauma informed part of your work and how, how that kind of came to be like a, a, a major piece in your, in your work. Well, what I found with 
my own attempts to heal and recover and with where I was at to heal our marriage, I had been to different, you know, therapists and couples counselors that I left the sessions feeling like less safe than I arrived or more traumatized. And I thought I was crazy at first for feeling that until I started sharing my experience and finding like that's actually really sadly common. It happens a lot that um, people come for healing to these spaces where, you know, whoever is guiding them, if they're asking them, let's say, questions about the past and they're going and replaying a past trauma um, or a past episode, it actually can completely re-traumatize you because your brain, your body doesn't know the difference between present and past. And so if you continually talk about, you know, these past hardships and pains that you've been through, it can be ingraining even deeper, this trauma that you're trying to heal from. And so I was wondering why I was spinning my wheels and I was wondering why with certain people I was like, I just don't feel safe, but I wasn't at a point where I trusted my body enough to be like, oh, I don't feel safe. I'm out. I just was like, something's wrong with me, you know? And so when I decided I wanted to start leading other women through this work, I wanted to make sure I had that under my belt. And I went through trauma-informed training so that I knew how to, one, you know, indicate and see what it looks like and recognize like if somebody is triggered and if they're starting to go down a path of re-traumatization and as of to date that's never happened <laughs> thank god i had really good training but be able to create a safe space so that people feel completely free and safe to heal and that they can learn more than anything um with no agenda of a program or pace of a curriculum that they are allowed to go at everything at their own pace um, and shut the laptop. Like if we're meeting on Zoom, I'm like, if you feel like something triggered you and you, you know, are reliving anything that's uncomfortable or you don't feel safe, no questions asked, shut your laptop and go do something fun. <laughs> you know, we trust you know your body better than anyone else. And so that's really um, the biggest thing I try to instill in women is that like, I'm not your your guru. I'm not, I have no agenda for you. My, my one agenda and goal is to teach you to trust yourself more than you ever have in your entire life. Mm -hmm. What a powerful, like, what a powerful practice, right? Because how often do, do people even say that, right? If you're triggered, go ahead and like, cut me off. If you're triggered, cut me off, shut your laptop go do what you need to do. I'll still be here because uh, how many of us as kids were trying to deal with tough emotions and our parents mm -hmm. told us, oh, you don't need to cry. You shouldn't be crying. Why are you crying? You know, or we were throwing a tantrum and they would say, you need to be quiet. And we would just not be given that space to really exercise those emotions. And now how powerful is it that you're able to rewrite that with your clients and just give them that space to just emote. <laughs> mm. It's been really convicting, honestly, as a mom, because as I've done this work and like even learning what it means to be trauma informed, I'm like, oh my goodness, I have some course correction to do with my kids. And there's that temptation at first of like, I've ruined them. And then the good news though, with trauma is like, 
just as deeply as it's been ingrained, you're never too far gone. Like starting today, you can absolutely remap, rewrite, recircuit, you know, what has been ingrained. So totally with you on the parenting and learning every day. This work is making me a better parent. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not a mom yet. It's, you know, on the goal sheet or, or whatever, but <laughs> I, I relate to it in, in my own experience as a child with my parents and, and what I see modeled to like family members or friends and things. And it, it's just so interesting one thing I tell my clients all the time is, is it all begins with an awareness, an awareness of what's going on and an awareness of this needs to change. And it's just insane that we go through our lives so unaware of our bodies, of the things that we say, of how we come off to our spouses, parents, partners, children, and just how unaware so many people go throughout their lives. So all just so interesting to me. So you mentioned somatic work. Can you describe that to maybe someone who isn't 100% sure what that looks like? Yes, I would love to. So somatic just really means of the body, especially like in contrast with just the mind. So let's say we're talking, that's really like up here intellectual, you know, we're using our mind and engaging in just the neck up, reading a book that's intellectual, that's using your brain, that's neck up, listening to a podcast right now, neck up, you know, somatic work really gets you into your body and just teaches you simply like the most primal, natural instincts that we've just become detached from in this like modern day era we're like very very detached but it's really just a homecoming back to like wait get in touch with what are my bodily sensations like where do I feel tightness and where is there cramps or bloating or pain or how is my breathing like just helping you become aware and so it involves anything that has to do with your body. So you think of like grounding techniques, like I love teaching women the five senses. So just stopping and naming something you see, something you hear, something you smell, something you can touch, something you, you know, taste if you just ate something, just helping them get back into their body, meditation, breathing, exercises, yoga, dancing, shaking. I mean, if you just Google um, grounding or somatic exercises, there's a million, but yeah, what most of us do when we've gone through trauma is we can really disconnect from our body and it's like a way of protecting ourselves and surviving. And it is a good thing. It means your body's working because if you've gone through some really threatening things, your body is like, this is too much for you to handle in this moment. I'm going to literally like take you away for a time. And then when we're ready, we get to decide to come back. But the thing is, I've just found with Western cultures, we we're not big on talking about how to come back and what that looks like. So somatic work is really just how to come back home. It's really interesting. Peter Levine wrote a book called Waking the Tiger. And he talks about how animals, when they go through life-threatening circumstances, that they literally will shake. Like it's a way of moving the energy out of their body so it doesn't become stuck 
and frozen, but that's really weird for humans. Like, can you imagine if you are in like a supermarket and you get triggered and you just start like convulsing? Like, people would be very concerned. <laughs> it's not politically acceptable. So, we've just like lost touch with how to move energy, a blocked energy out. And so, somatic work, like shaking, is just one thing. You don't have to do that, but there's just a million ways to move blocked energy out of your body. Yes, I I love that. Somatic work is something I'm slightly familiar with, but not something that I'm, you know, super experienced with. So I I appreciate that explanation just selfishly. But this has actually come up in my own talk therapy work with my own therapist who I've been seeing for over a year now is that I'm like fairly certain that she had mentioned that exact same book about waking the tiger or had at least mentioned the idea of like when animals go through traumatic events, they do shake. And a good example in my own life actually is one of my dogs. She is very timid and very nervous. Um, That's just how she is. She's come a very long way since we first got her, but ever since we got her as an eight-week puppy, she's just always been very timid, shy, and nervous. And she just carries that around with her everywhere. She does not like to be touched or pet or picked up, but I do every so often just to get her used to that kind of contact. And every time I set her down or she walks away, she'll shake like a dog, like how dogs do. She'll shake Mm. it off. And that is, that to me is like the physical reminder of, oh yeah, shake off that energy, shake off that nervousness, you know? And so when I go through very similar, you know, similar experiences, something that might trigger me, or maybe I'm feeling anxious for me, the best way to move that through my body is through moving my body. So when I'm stuck in instances, like I sometimes get flight anxiety and it's not like, uh, you know, I don't want to obviously dive into like my own anxieties on this podcast episode, (laughs) but um, like on an airplane, like, you know, how are you supposed to like, I can't move my body. I'm on an airplane. And so it, you know, it it takes just a different kind of coping mechanism, but yeah, I, I, I'm wholeheartedly you know, behind the movement of just moving emotions through your body. Like as kids, again, like I use the example of kids a lot because kids only do like they, they use those primal instincts, right? So as a kid Mm -hmm. and you're upset, what are you doing? You are throwing yourself on the floor. You're throwing yourself (laughs) on your bed. Like I remember instances where I'm like, you know, like kicking and uh, kicking my legs and like smacking my bed and my pillow. And like, you know, as a kid, like, I mean, in public, right. People are like, oh, well, maybe we shouldn't be doing that. Right. But when they're at home, like they're given that space to be able to do that. But as an adult, like, it's almost like it's not okay for adults to move through our emotions like that, but it's okay Mm -hmm. for kids to privately, I guess, move through their emotions like that. So just an interesting observation of mine, kind of like what you mentioned about, you know, if you're in the grocery store and you get triggered, like, and you start to shake or something like it, it's just kind of not societal, not what's the word I'm looking for. Okay. Or whatever, yeah, it's not you know, like socially acceptable. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's what, so true. what would you say is like one of, what is a, a common complaint or 
obstacle that you see with your clients in your practice that someone listening to this might be able to identify with as, oh, maybe this is the type of work that I should look into? Actually, what you just said about your dog is one of the most surprisingly common complaints that when I started just speaking out about my marriage and where I had been at and what had changed it, I was so shocked that the number one complaint was like touch aversion, like these wives who any physical advance from their husband or like, yeah, pass at intimacy, you know, like trying to be affectionate. They're like, I just tense up and I clench up and I resist and I don't know why. And I feel terrible. And then he feels rejected and I feel like crap. And it's just this like terrible cycle that we can't get through because, all the women that I've spoken to, they're like, I want to be like, I want to feel free with him and safe. And I want my body to feel like open to be affectionate. And I don't know why there's a block there. And then my husband's all frustrated and that doesn't help. And we're all confused. And so that was actually, I thought I was just weird (laughs) when I like, cause I, that was my experience and the somatic work help turn our sex life from like dead to thriving and safe and beautiful and wholesome. And I couldn't believe how many other women were like me too. And then it's just become this movement now. Like, why does nobody talk about this? Like sex is one of the most over talked about and under talked about things like ever. There's just like a lot of illiteracy on what is healthy and even how to heal that area. So honestly, yeah, like intimacy blocks is really, really common for the women that I work with. And it's really beautiful to get to see major breakthroughs for women in that area that have never experienced safety, like behind closed doors with their husband, or there's just been some blocks over the years and being able to say like, wow, I like really enjoy him now. And I feel like I don't flinch and I don't twitch and I don't reject him, you know, because I trust my body and I've established safety in it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I can see that. I mean, one thing that kind of popped up for me when you were talking about that in regards to, I guess, sex in particular is growing up in a very like purity type of culture. And honestly, just how toxic that is. Like I, I grew up in a very very strict type of religion and sex was nowhere to be like talked about until you were married. I, you know, I, I met my husband and, and we were together and we had sex before we got married and I ended up leaving that religion anyway, but I still feel like sometimes I end up carrying that with me still, you know? So I, I can absolutely see how, how that is a common thing that you might deal with. For everybody listening, what do you feel like is one to two, maybe three things that they could start trying to do on their own before maybe needing to reach out to a coach or or just simple things that someone can do to help, whether it's in their life or their marriage, and take away from this podcast episode? Mm, I love that question. The first thing that comes to mind and 
some of my clients are like very hesitant to hear me out on this, but I think the most foundational thing you got to lay, especially in the society that we're in, is this radical layer and foundation of self-compassion and self-acceptance. Because when I look at our society today, I just see like we're swimming in this kind of fog and trance of shame. Like there's a lot of not enoughness. There's a lot of like bad self. There's a lot of, um, yeah, not good enough. A lot of inner critics going through our minds that I wasn't even really aware of. It was just like all I was used to, the way that I talked to myself in my head. So I thought it was normal until I met like healthy, healed, enlightened people who were like, oh, I'm actually my biggest fan and my biggest cheerleader in my head. I'm like, what is that life? What is that like? (laughs) And so I always start there with my clients and some are hesitant because they're like radical self-compassion, radical self-acceptance. Am I going to become this like self-absorbed, like lethargic, you know, non-productive member of society? And then they find out it's the exact opposite. It's really the foundation that sustains longevity and their healing and the most productivity that they've ever felt in their life because they're filling their well in a way that nothing else can compare. Like criticism doesn't fill you and fuel you the way that self-acceptance does. So the most simple thing I tell my um, clients is literally hand over heart. Like there's a deeper dive. We could take another time into just the power of physical touch. So your actual hand over your heart and speaking to yourself kindly, which may feel so awkward and uncomfortable. And you might even like feel angry about it at first because it's just like, especially if you've had a loud inner critic or if you've been like the type to pull yourself up by your bootstraps or like I can get through anything and I can muscle through and like all of that masculine energy, a like softer voice might feel really like, I can't trust you. Like you're going to make me soft and lazy. But I just still invite my clients just to play with it and see how it feels. So that's one. The second is just practicing offering safety to your body. So my favorite grounding technique is what I mentioned earlier, and I'll just pass that to any listeners. The five senses is one of the fastest ways you can move out of a trigger back into safety in your nervous system. So whenever you're triggered throughout the day, just name something you see, something you can physically touch hear, smell, and taste. And it brings you from that sympathetic nervous system, that like fight, flight, freeze state to the parasympathetic, which is you're able to tap into logical thinking and slower, more open breathing. And it's the safe system to tap into. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. Another thing that I hear a lot about like the parasympathetic nervous system is when you are yawning that yawning is a sign of your parasympathetic system doing what it needs to so sometimes when I'm like on edge or whatever but I'm like yawning I'm like oh okay we're good no my parasympathetic system is is in play here so I love that I love the five senses thing because it really just it takes you out of it 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 like literally takes you out of your mind and it puts you in the present. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Now, this next question I like to ask every single one of my podcast guests, and that is what does living a swolistic life mean to you? That is a good and deep question, (laughs) Jessie. 
Okay. So what comes to mind with a holistic life, you know, I, I think out of all of the, you know, different things that we've survived as humans, all of our hurts and traumas and situations look different, but like we adapt different coping mechanisms and we can get pretty like narrow focused on what are, whatever our survival cocktail of choices or coping mechanism for years. I feel like I lost sight of, um, other things that were important to me, like my kids, I wasn't able to be present with them and, um, my health, you know, I was like all work, 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 because that was my survival path of like, this was what makes me feel good. Like the one thing I control can control and hold on to. And so with my healing, it's helped me really learn to reorient my priorities and be able to you know, live in each hat that I wear and all the different important roles presently. So for me, it's like when I think back, um, some of the work that I've done to rewire that is writing my eulogy, you know, that might sound morbid, but looking back from the end of your life on like what you want to be known for and how you lived, it really sets your priorities in order and helps you see like, what do I really value? What's important to me and starting to orient my life around that. And so I think about being a mom and being a wife and yes, this business that I'm passionate about and my health. And like, those are the big blocks that I want to put in first. Like I'm a whole human. I don't have to get locked in and sucked into just this one suit that, that I wear. Um, and when you say swolistic, that just brings me to the idea of expansion. Like it, we really are, my word for 2023 is limitless. And there really is so much room, like limitless room to grow in all of these areas. And life is short, but it's also really meant to be enjoyed. And it can be beautiful when we learn how to overcome the things that are blocking all of us. So that's yeah. my answer. <laughs> I love that. I I um have yet to have someone kind of take swole in like this idea of like swelling and expanding. So I I love that. Thank you for sharing. So Becky, share with everyone listening where can they find you online and where like what what can they expect when they come across like your social media platforms? Yeah, the easiest way to find me is on Instagram. My handle is Rebecca Lee Oste, and I'm sure Jesse will put it in the show notes. But my last name, it's hard to pronounce. My husband's Latino, but it's A-S-T-E. Um, on Instagram, I love reels. You'll see the hot mess side of me. I love to have fun and just be a nerd and a goof and yeah, I'm very, very present in my DMs. So you can find me there. I have a huge passion for writing. So I really do use a lot of words to try to put words to people's situations. And so, so many people find comfort in the fact that like, you know, they'll reach out and say, oh my gosh, I didn't have words to describe, but that's exactly where I'm at or that's exactly my dynamic. Thank you for those words. So I really try to offer that to my audience yeah, it lights me up too. It's really fulfilling for me to see how much people get out of it. That's awesome. Yes, we will definitely include links to Becky's social platforms and anything else that she shares with us in the show notes. So make sure to check that out. Becky, thank you so, so much for being here, for sharing your story and 
just helping us become a little bit more aware of our bodies and ways that we can heal and come back. So thank you again for being here. Thanks for having me. I had so much fun. Awesome. All right, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I will be back next week with another episode. Until then, remember, always make yourself a priority. Bye, guys. Thank you for spending your time with me today. I appreciate you so much. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and leave us a rating or review to help others find the show. To learn more about working with me or joining the Swolistic community, head over to my Instagram at Lockhart, where you'll find my programs and pricing in the highlight bubbles. I hope you have the best day ever and I'll chat with you next week.